Welcome back to another Dispatch from Holly McKay. In this episode, we're going to go to Mexico, and we're going to talk about the war on drugs and why it's not working. How you doing, Holly? I'm well, thank you. Well, so you went to Mexico, or are covering Mexico, and um, have taken another look at this seemingly endless war on drugs. What's the report? So, I mean, this is obviously a huge problem. We all kind of know about the war on drugs, but I think when you really dig down into the numbers, just the amount of, of people that, that die every day in this country, um, because of drug use. And this isn't, this isn't the way it was in the nineties where people maybe would overdose on heroin and, and you had some a bit of an epidemic then. This is sort of a very different game. Um, what you are looking at now is, is people that are, um, you know, obviously sourcing drugs from south of the border, which is run by their cartels and thinking that, you know, maybe they're getting cocaine, but, or even marijuana, but what they're getting is something that's laced with fentanyl and fentanyl, even in the tiniest amount can kill you. Um, so really that is one of the driving forces behind, um, behind what's happening uh, with the drug epidemic. And also, I guess you could really also look at the, um, at what point the, the over-prescribing of, of opioids in this country that was happening, um, you know, doctors getting um, huge kickbacks from a lot of these companies. And, and you really had in the 2000s, this sort of proliferation, somebody might break their leg, they might get injured. Um, you know, as a teenager, uh, the doctor gives them some form of a, a Vicodin or an opioid and, you know, painkiller. And then, and once that runs out, you sort of form this addiction. And so people then will either turn to street drugs or turn to the black market um, to try to, to sort of get that same sensation. And, and even, you know, when you think you might be getting, um, you know, a counterfeit uh, painkiller, it too um, sort of run by the cartel trade. And, and you're looking at something that is potentially laced with fentanyl and, and that is causing a um, sort of a huge, huge problem. And then in addition to that, you have uh, the methamphetamine, which is also known as crystal meth or meth. And that is the fastest growing drug in the United States and, you know, upwards of, of 15 million users. And um, the statistics that I've read from the CDC say every single day, 500 Americans try meth for the same time or for the first time. And that is, um, you know, for a myriad of different reasons. Um, but it's, it's sort of made this alarming comeback. Um, and I think that that was largely driven by the coronavirus p- pandemic in 2020. Um, which, you know, came with, with lockdowns, with job losses, um, with high rates of depression, uh, loss. And, and, you know, in that sort of 12 month period, um, even beginning in September 2020, uh, more than 104,000 Americans died of drug related overdoses. Um, so you're looking at numbers that are just, that are really just terrific. Yeah. Well, let's explore that a little bit more because, you know, when you look at the supply chain for this latest wave, it just goes all over the planet. You've got fentanyl coming from China uh, through Mexico into the yeah, United well, States. I mean, and, then the, you, and then you've the, got uh, local production precursors from, come from China. So the precursors, they come from China. Um, and, you know, there are, there are sort of these little Chinese gangs or whatever that work with the cartels. And then it's the cartels who assemble and pill pack and, and do all sort of the management from their side. Yeah. And then you've got on the, on the domestic side, you got people that are basically, you know, biker gangs playing Breaking Bad, making chemicals themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, it's a, a sort of a, a growing situation. And then you have to kind of look at how much money the United States has spent, just hundreds of billions of dollars, um, if not trillions over the decades to, you know, to, to fight this, um, you know, quote unquote war on drugs that was essentially announced under Nixon. But at what point are we going to look at what we've done, you know, for the last 40 years and, and kind of look at that and go, maybe this isn't working um, because clearly it's not. Um, and I think that there is sort of a, a unwillingness to really sort of explore that in Washington. And, and generally speaking, um, you know, conservatives are flow this line of, you know, squashing the cartels and, and kind of using a lot of the, the, typical war tactics and, and violence and, and things like that to, to really squash um, the cartel operations or, or the bringing in of drugs, but it's not working. Um, so, you know, what, what is being done that, that isn't being done, uh, what can be done that isn't being done that can start to maybe make an inroads or at least um, where is the willingness to try something new? Um, and that's what Washington often, you know, isn't great at is, is really recognizing um, that something new, um, you know, now's the time to try something new. Yeah. Is there any demand that you've seen in your investigations about uh, other people wanting to try something? I mean, it's clearly not working and you, and, and you've documented here that it's on a resurge uh as as a result of what it really is a general depression in the population and 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 a seeking of ways to deal with it um and that would really, seem to point to to a, a different kind of solution uh well, having more to do with the well-being of the population for more than five decades um the, you know the US has tried to respond to the demand and a growing addiction through punishment and prison. Um, but that, you know, that alone costs the U.S. taxpayer, you know, more than a billion annually. Um, and so obviously, you know, we're looking at a number that's exceeded one trillion now. Um, so you have to kind of be that brave politician. And, and, you know, this is often where the sort of the more libertarian leaning voices can come into it. Um, but instead of reducing drug use or, or trying to kind of dismantle the global industry, um, you know, we, we ended up with just an increase in the demand. Um, so there are many different factors. I think, um, you know, in large part, the pharmaceutical and medical trade, you know, does have blood on its hands. It's overprescribed, um, very well-known addictive substances and, and told people that they're not, um, you know, coupled with kickbacks by the manufacturers. And, and that's led to just absolutely catastrophic levels of dependence. Um, so then, you know, users, if you're addicted to something, um, if an authority comes to your door, you're not just going to stop because this is a, you know, it's a psychological, it's addiction. Um, you know, then you turn to the contraband alternatives and that can be anything from meth and to heroin. And that comes through the cartel hands. So, um, you have to kind of look at, at that sort of side of it and incarcerating more people for drug related crimes, I think not only fails to curb the crisis, but it also adds to, you know, that social stigma and that I think prevents people from getting the the treatments that they need, you know, because they're afraid to often come out and admit to being dependent on illegal drugs and therefore, um, you know, concerned about going to prison and therefore, um, you know, not really getting the help. So I think that that is another area that, that needs to be sort of looked at in, in terms of that prison model. Um, but, you know, something else I think you know, is really interesting 
Um, and I think that helps to really underscore the necessity for global transparency in the pharmaceutical supply chain. Um, and that is with the blockchain technology and, and the ways that that can stymie the drug addiction ep- epidemic. And so this is, again, you, you're looking at technology that, um, you know, can, can without hacking and, and quite accurately, um, you know, store uh, pharmaceutical information. So you can store uh, everything from what's happening in the counterfeit drug world um, to, you know, where certain things are being prescribed, um, you know, and, and kind of have a, a really unhackable database that can do that. Um, and that doesn't really exist sort of at the moment. And so it's the kind of technology I think that can spur industry-wide changes and, and forge new connections, um, you know, with law enforcement that can can go beyond borders. So I think that's sort of an area that uh, could potentially be uh, explored as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you can invest in artificial intelligence technology to look at half a trillion images to figure out how to teach a computer how to recognize that there's a cat in it, I would think recognizing the patterns in in terms yeah. of drug demand on the on the consumption side would be well worth the research. Uh, that's just me, Holly. I mean, you know. Yeah, but- and and we 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 need to, you know, we we invest so much in wars and other places, and we really do need to. This is a big problem that's affecting so many Americans every day. Um, you know, people we probably wouldn't even know. I'm sure we all know people um, that that are struggling with these sorts of addictions that we don't even know. So I, I think. Um, it's really important to, you know, to look at what is happening here in, in our country and to try to do something about it because what we're doing or what we've done for the past half a century, um, you know, isn't exactly working. Yeah. Well, certainly a subject area could in, in need of continued watching and highlighting. And, uh, so thank you for this particular article in terms of uh, covering it and i'm sure you will be looking at this more over time and keeping track of it and uh, we thank you for it thank you dennis